Yo, this is Teresa Weatherspoon, better known as Teaspoon, and you're watching Real Fans, Real Talk. What's really good and happy new year. Welcome back to another collaboration episode of the Sanchez Show and Real Fans Real Talk. As always, I'm your host, Eric Sanchez, a.k.a. Legend in Two Games. Got my main man with me, Anthony Jones, a.k.a. Trip Young. Trip, how are you doing today, my brother? Um, I'm doing pretty good today. Uh, took a took a loss, but I am going to dedicate this show to Louise Young. Rest in peace. Uh 104 years young, uh, lost a couple of days after Christmas, but, um, you know, so I just want to take, t- take today's episode and I'm going to dedicate that to her. Um, she actually, she had her real fans, real talk, uh, rubber band on her wrist when she, uh, took that final sleep. So she's going to be rocking with us from, you know, from until, until the end of time. Still, she repping the brand. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, man. My thoughts and prayers have been with you for the last uh, week, my brother. I know you and your grandmother were very close, man. So let's let's make this a classic one for her to kick off the new year, man. So um, with that, with that being said, we wrap up week 17 of the NFL tonight. Pittsburgh must win game against Cleveland. We're going to get to that in a second. But we got some things that clinched up yesterday. We got some teams that still got some uncertainty. And then we probably saw one of the most bizarre situations to ever take place on the field. Uh, where do you want to start with week 17? We, we have to we have to start with Antonio Brown, Eric. I'm sorry. And the reason I say that is because we have had discussion after discussion after discussion about Antonio Brown. And just when we get real back in and, and think everything is going to be good this time around, something else happens. And I think this time might be the final straw or was it, they said the straw that broke the, the camel's back. This might be the last stop for Antonio Brown. Um, I know, you know, you know, talent will always get you an, an extra shot. But at this point, it's, you know, it's just, you know, I don't, I don't see how you can really take a chance on an Antonio Brown because, you know, you can't even guarantee – that he's going to last a full season, which is, you know, so then it's like, well, why am I even going to bother to bring him in? Yeah, so you can only burn but so many bridges in life, right? Um, and, and that's just the way it goes. You, you can burn some people, you can burn certain situations, but you just can't keep burning and walking away and then think that you're going to have an opportunity to cross back over a bridge. There's no bridge to cross back over. And so to me, I think this is the final straw for Antonio Brown. When you look at the resume and you look at his exit from Pittsburgh and Mike Tomlin is very well liked in the NFL and the Rooney family is very well liked. And the way he left there left a bad taste in some people's mouth, but he was still a little younger. He still had a lot of talent. He was coming off seven straight thousand yard seasons. And so people were willing to tolerate a little bit more. He went into the Raiders and it didn't work out there, and it, it went left very quick. He never played in a, a regular season snap for them. And then he went to the Patriots, and they were just strict, you know, uh, stipulations as to how this was supposed to work because we can't forget that he had the sexual assault allegations against him. 
him and his child's mother were, were having some domestic issues. And then that didn't last long. That only lasted a game. But in that relationship with New England, he built up this friendship with Tom Brady that most of us didn't know they already had. And then Tom Brady kind of stuck his neck out to get him in Tampa. And even though Bruce Arians originally said, I don't think it's going to work. I, I don't know if we really need Antonio Brown. We got a lot of receivers and weapons already here. Brady kept pushing for Brown. And they got Antonio Brown. And he was on his best behavior for almost a full season. From the time they got him last year up until the vaccination card issue this year, he was on his best behavior. But for him to provide a fake vaccination card and, and embarrass the franchise the way he did, and then in what, his second game back since the suspension? Mm-hmm. You take off your jersey and undress on the sidelines and then run off the field, leaving the team. I think you might have burnt your last bridge. Tom Brady, without a doubt, is the GOAT quarterback, arguably probably the greatest NFL player to ever play the game. If he's sticking his neck out for you and he can't even trust that you will be a man of your word, I don't think any other team will stick their neck out for Antonio Brown. I think him jogging off the field last uh, yesterday afternoon is the last image we have of him. Let me all right. So let me say let me say two things because I want to you know just so we can have both sides of the spectrum here. Um, there are, you know, I guess on on in in defense of Antonio Brown, I don't know if you can, but in defense of him, they're saying that he did say that he was injured and did not want to go back in the game. I'm not saying. Whether or not this is true, but we got to put both sides out there. Um, he was saying that he was hurt. We know he's been dealing with the ankle injury. He didn't want to go back in the game. Bruce Arians wanted him to go back in the game. And ultimately, he said, if you don't go back in the game, you know, you're done as a as a Buccaneer. We saw how everything worked out. So that's one and two. I do want to actually commend Tom Brady. Um, because he did not kick Antonio Brown when he was down. Um, you know what I mean? So I just want to commend him for that. He actually, you know, spoke some words of encouragement, um, you know, for Antonio Brown. So I just want to say those two things. Now, as far as the first one goes, my my issue would would be even if that was the case where Antonio Brown, obviously you know your body better than anybody. And, you know, you didn't feel comfortable going back into the game. There has to be a better way for you to handle that situation. That would be my my, my only issue with that. It's especially because this is not the first time we've dealt with an Antonio Brown situation. And I'm and, and, and you mentioned, you know, going all the way back to Pittsburgh, the Going live in the locker room, Oakland, New England, earlier this season. So if if you're Antonio Brown and you're someone who is constantly getting into some kind of troublesome situation, you have to, at this point, be on your, your P's and Q's because people are fed up with you completely. And when you have... see. It's it's nice when you have, uh, you know, a recommendation from somebody who is well respected, and whatever field you're in. Like we always go, you know, you you go to your guidance counselor, you want to get that letter of recommendation, or you find a teacher that likes you the most, so they can give you that recommendation for college. He got a recommendation from the 
pinnacle of football success, the greatest of all time, Tom Brady. You know, he put you in a position where you could win. You could succeed. Tom Brady got you your first Super Bowl ring. We're going to say that. I'm, You know, I know people say, you know, he put in work. No. Tom Brady got you that ring because if Tom Brady does not vouch for you and say, no, we need him to be a part of this organization, that does not happen. Because obviously Tampa goes on and they win the Super Bowl last season. Not that Antonio Brown and Antonio Brown, you know, played well, but it wasn't like Antonio Brown led the league in receiving yards and touchdowns and catches and you know it wasn't it wasn't Antonio Brown the the, the seven straight thousand yard seasons that we came to you know know him for in Pittsburgh. It wasn't right. that. It was he was good. He was good. Don't get me wrong. He was good, but it just it just wasn't that. But you know, people take chances on you. So when people put their neck out on the line for you, it's it's your responsibility to not make them look like assholes. Pardon my French for trying to to help you and putting their names on the line. There had to have been a better way to handle the situation. That's my only thing. If you were hurt, I can't say nothing about that. I don't know. You know, like I said, you know your body better than, than anybody else. I'm not going to say, no, nah, man, you should have just went up in there, put your, put it all on the line, and that's it. No, I understand. But ripping all your jersey off and your clothes off, throwing them and, you know, doing all that and, and just leaving the way you did, there has to be a better way to handle that. We're, we're adults here. We're not five. Sorry. No, you're 1,000% correct, and, and I was going to double down on that. Like you said, we are not doctors. We Neither one of us, last time I checked, are part of the Tampa Bay medical staff. So we don't know what lingering issues or injuries he may have been dealing with coming into yesterday's game. What I do know is that I watched the guy rip his jersey off, rip his gear off, and then jog off the field. So don't talk to me about an ankle injury that would have would have stopped you from getting back in the game, yeah. but didn't stop you from the sideline antics that led to you ultimately jogging and doing jumping jacks as you walked off the field. Yeah. That's the first thing. Second thing, him and Bruce Arians, if they have a blow up on the sideline, that's commonplace in the NFL. That's commonplace in pretty much every sport. Yeah, right. Sure. So if he felt he wasn't healthy enough to get in and Bruce Arians in a spur of the moment says something like, if you don't get back in the game, you'll never play for us again. All right. So be it. But as you mentioned, you handle it as a professional. And when y'all get in the locker room, whatever needs to be said get back in the locker room, it said then you do not go about it the way he did. And the fact that teammates like Mike Evans and other guys try to stop him from doing that, they understood the severity of what he was doing as well. Mm -hmm. They understood that even though you're emotional, you don't do it this way. You don't rip off your uniform, throw your stuff in the stands, and then just walk off the field in the middle of the game. You don't do that. So that, to me, is, is where I have an issue with Antonio Brown. If he was hurt beforehand, he might have. I do find it ironic, though. There's been clips circulating already from early in the week, his press conference, where people were asking him about his return. And he said he was excited to get back on the field and put everything behind him. When the media asked him that they did he think that the vaccination card would be a lingering issue in the locker room. He turned it on the media and said, you guys always want to create drama. There's no drama here. So it's funny how the guy who said everyone else is trying to create drama yeah. again has created the drama. Because, as you mentioned, in Pittsburgh, it was him going live from the locker room. No one else did that. Yeah. He threw Big Ben and uh, Juju Smith-Schuster under the bus with his comments after he left, right? He was the one who sent 
the the threatening messages to the woman who had the sexual assault claims against them after yeah, yeah. the league and the Patriots said, hands off, stay away. Don't do anything else until we investigate. So he's in the middle of all these situations that he creates on his own. Yeah. He To me, he blew a golden opportunity right now with Tampa. You and I were just on, on the show a couple weeks ago when Godwin and Fournette went down. And we knew Brown was going to be coming back because at the time we didn't know if they were going to bring him back after the vaccination card. But with the injuries, we knew they had to. And we both said, this is a golden opportunity for you to shine. You are probably Tom Brady's second most trusted receiver behind Gronk Mm -hmm. on the team. You're going to get the targets. You're going to get catches. You're going to get numbers. You're going to get a chance to go back into the free agent market this offseason and show everyone that you were a big time contributor to a Super Bowl contender. He squandered that opportunity. And I, I can't imagine another team taking a shot with him, as you mentioned, because if Tom Brady endorsed you and you could do this in that situation, yep. I don't know what you could do in another situation, you know, where you don't have that connection to the quarterback or even a connection to the coach because Bruce Arians was his offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh before. Yeah. So he had relationships there and he still did this. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I, I I don't I, like I don't at this point I don't even know what to say you know other than and, and something that we've said before. He needs he needs different people around him. Maybe he needs better people around him. Um, he j- he just he he needs help. He does. He 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 needs help. And I do. I think I think it's over with. You know, because even even as you know, players. Obviously, I, I still believe that Antonio Brown. Has has something left in the tank. I still think he is in the upper echelon of receivers in football. At least he, he can be, you know, when he's on the field and, and playing football. But if if I'm Russell Wilson, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, if if I'm you know Pat, Patrick Mahomes, if I'm Lamar Jackson, at this point, do I even want to say let me? Now put the word in to say let's let's try it. Maybe he can work out for us. Do I want to do I want to do that? Because if I can only get through the first half of the season, first three fourths of the season, and then we're not gonna have you moving forward. What sense does that make? You know, for me to actually start building this type of chemistry with you as as far as you know in the offense, and knowing that there's a great chance that you're not gonna be here when we need you the most in the playoff time. So what happens now is, I you know, I believe that Tampa lost with with Antonio Brown walking off that field. They lost the chance at becoming back to back Super Bowl champions. I think for the first time, it's got to be maybe since the Patriots. Since, since the Patriots did it right since Tom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, since Tom Brady did it the last last time. So you know, you pretty much it's over for that. You know what I mean? Like I just because now there's no there's no Godwin, there's no Fournette. At least it's like, all right, well, we still got Ronald Jones, we still got Gronk, we still got Cameron Braith, and we got two all pro wide receivers in Mike Evans and Antonio Brown. Now you taking Antonio Brown out of the equation as well? You know, yeah, you know, I think, you know, they still have a chance, but am I gonna put my money on on them to to to, to beat the Rams who they've already lost to? Am I going to put my money on them to to go to Lambeau, who now has home field advantage and 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 still one on the road when Aaron Rodgers is looking like he's going to be the back to back MVP? Probably, I think the last person to do that was what was Peyton. 
Peyton was the last one to get back to back Peyton, to back. Peyton did it. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? Like, what am I? What am I to say? I just I can't. I think I think it's over. And then on top of that, now you see when you when you, when you had your issues in Pittsburgh, you was what, what 28, 29? You know right. what I mean? When you had your issue in Oakland, you were 30, 31 going into the issue with New England. When you came over here to, you know what I mean? Like with 32 last year, you had your issue. Now you now you're 33 though. So now, you know, skill sets start to Decline a little bit now. They start to go down. So now it's not like we're not getting 28-year-old, you know, been in a little bit of trouble, Antonio Brown. Now we're getting 33-year-old getting into some trouble still, Antonio Brown. That changes things up. You're not, you're not young enough to continue with the antics that you're, that you're doing. You're getting older. You're still good, but... You know, when you're younger, you'll give you're, a younger elite receiver will continue to get those chances. An aging right. receiver who has been banged up and in and out, because again, we haven't seen him do a straight 16 games yet. You know what I mean? So you're getting older, you're a little bit more injury prone, and everything else that's going on, is it worth it? If I'm if I'm a GM, I don't think it's worth it. Even if I'm a quarterback, even if let's let's just say the Ravens, who we speak about and say, uh, you know, one top five, top ten wide receiver could put those guys over the hump. I don't. I'm good. I don't want to. Well, no, nah, yeah, that 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 ship has sailed on them. Um, you know, they were going to bring him, and it would have been right after the Raiders released them. Yeah, but they didn't. Um, but but to your point. I don't think it's been worth it for Antonio Brown for the last few years. I think Tampa really did it more so because that's what Tom wanted. Yes. Um, You know, we spoke about it plenty of times. When they brought Antonio Brown on, it was more of a luxury. It wasn't a necessity. I mean, you had Godwin, you had Evans, you had Gronk, you had Bray, you had O.J. Howard. They had Leonard Fournette already. They had the O-line. So the thinking was like, oh, all right, it's just another toy for Tom Brady. You know, it's just another guy that we could throw out there and is a reliable receiver. Yeah. But did they have to make the move? No. Could they have won the Super Bowl without Antonio Brown? Probably. You know, they went on the type of run in the playoffs last year where you look at it and you look at the production they got from Leonard Fournette and all those things. It's like, yeah, they probably could have won it without Antonio. Having Antonio made it easier. Yeah. But they they probably could have won it without him. And the defense turned into an elite defense. Right. Defense heading into the like playoffs a top five throughout. defense. Yes. Right. Now other quarterbacks you mentioned, right? Because it only makes sense for a handful of teams to even entertain the conversation for Antonio Brown, mm-hmm. right? If, you, if you're the Dolphins, you're not making that move. No. Like, let's be real, right? But would Kansas City think about it? Probably not, because they don't need a number one receiver, yeah. right? Tyreek Hill's the number one. Would Green Bay think about it? Maybe, but do they need him? Probably not. They got Devontae Adams. They got a number one receiver. Like what they you know, do right the Seahawks now. need him? Right. Do the Seahawks need him? Probably not. They got DK Metcalf. They got Lockett. So the the quarterbacks we're talking about that are upper echelon quarterbacks who you would think, all right, with that guy and Antonio, now we have something special. This still isn't even the fit. And that's why I go back to Tom Brady stuck his neck out for you. Because before Tampa entertained the idea of even bring you on, Antonio Brown lingered. No team was signing him. Yeah. People, you know, people looked at it again as like, do I need the headache? Is it worth it? As you mentioned, when he was 29 and the Raiders traded for him, that's worth the gamble. He's 29 years old. He's coming off seven straight 
that 1,000 yard receiving seasons, he's worth the gamble. But at 33, going on 34, is it worth the gamble? Probably not. I think he's done. I also want to say, too, we always speak about mental health and we take it very serious here on the show. But I, I think it's a little bit insulting to, to quickly throw that out there for this situation. If you know Antonio Brown's track record, this is who he is. I don't think this has anything to do with mental health. I think this is just more about Antonio Brown doing what Antonio Brown wants to do. Again, we've spoken about it in studio, out studio. We've had debates with people online about it. This isn't an isolated incident with Antonio Brown. This is who he is. And unfortunately, it may have cost him, you know, maybe another three or four years in the NFL. Yeah, because if Tampa Bay Buccaneers go on to win back-to-back Super Bowls, He's going to be a big part of that. If he's in order for them to win, he would have to be a big part of that. He would right? have been a big part of it this year. So now, you keep your head clean. Whatever, everything, whatever happened with the with the fake vax cards or whatever, you win another Super Bowl. You play well to get not only get there but to win that Super Bowl. People brush that stuff to the side. Now you can come back around. You can finish your career with a nice little three year, thirty million dollar deal. No problem. Maybe even maybe even forty. Even. Who knows? Maybe you can. You know what I mean? Depending on how well you look, how good you look in in those games, you might even be able to get a little bit more. So you, everything is is right there for the taking for you. Everything that you want is right in front of your face. All you have to do is be more professional. And you know, obviously, we saw he couldn't do that. Um. So listen. Our prayers go out to Antonio Brown. I hope he gets his act together. You know, I hate seeing our brothers and, and, and sisters get into these kind of positions and be their own downfall. You know what I mean? Because this is not a situation where I feel like, oh, man, why are they picking on Antonio Brown? They Again, they always messing. No, it's not that. This is Antonio Brown being Antonio Brown and Antonio Brown now has to face the consequences of his actions and more than likely the consequences of his actions mean that his NFL career is over. Yeah. Um, let, let's transition a little bit. Let's get into the actual games that took place yesterday. Tampa Bay um, overcame all the sideline shenanigans and had a comeback win against the Jets, which looked like it looked ugly for a second. It looked like the Jets were going to get that. Yeah, and I have to say this. this see, this is this is that was the other reason why I think it's it's over for the Buccaneers and trying to repeat. I think that's over with because they struggled against well, the, they- against the Jets, and in reality, we're talking about a a bad judgment call from Zach Wilson in a situation where you could have put the game away. And you don't, and you allow Tampa Bay to, and and, and and Tom Brady to be Tom Brady and do what Tom Brady does yet again. But in reality, Tampa Bay should have lost that game. Well, I think now we're looking at a couple of weeks and a couple of examples that this Tampa Bay team is not as good as they were last year. Um, they should have lost yesterday. They're two weeks removed from being shut out by the Saints. Yes. So... Now we got to look at it for what it is. And, and as we talked about already with Antonio Brown, this offense doesn't have the toys anymore. You know, it's a lot tougher for Tom to get you up and down the field as easily as he did last year because it's 
the threats aren't the same anymore. Yeah. You know, I can't, I don't have that multiple thousand yard back in Leonard Fournette anymore behind me. I don't have those three Pro Bowl caliber receivers anymore. You know what I'm saying? Gronk is still Gronk, but he's a much older version, slower version of Gronk. Yeah. So it's not the same threat. They're going to be a lot easier to defend. I think the Jets showed that. I think another thing we saw yesterday that is a little alarming that, again, Tampa's going to have to fix in this last week going into week 18. They really can't stop the run game. They yeah. struggled yesterday stopping the run game oh, again. Man. And that's something that they're going to see a lot of, I think, come playoff time. Speaking of playoffs, though, like you said, the Packers clinched up home field mm-hmm. in the NFC. Kansas City lost in a nail-bite, a very entertaining game against Cincinnati. So now they're no longer the one seed. Tennessee has the one seed going into the last week of the season. Yeah. Playoffs on both sides are pretty much sealed up. There's one or two spots available. Um, Ravens still have a slim chance after a tough loss yesterday to the Rams. What do we make of some of this moving going on? And we talked about it all year. I think both sides are wide open. Do you think we have more of a definitive outlook on who could be coming out of each conference? Or you, you still think this this thing is a crapshoot? Well, um, I, I, I feel like one, you know, I feel like the Packers come out of the NFC. Like, I just think they're playing the most complete football right now. And Rodgers, you know, I said it earlier, he's on, on course to get back-to-back MVPs. Um, even after everything that they dealt with at the beginning of the season with him possibly not even being in Green Bay this season, I, I think that's... When, when we talk about that professionalism, I think we saw that with Green Bay because they were able to say, you know what, we'll deal with everything outside of the, the 17 games that we have to play when it's time to deal with that stuff. But when it's time to, to, to play these games, we're going to play these games. We're going to win a lot of football games. We're going to look good doing it. And Rodgers been playing with a banged-up toe the last couple of weeks. But, again, he is still looking like he's going to be MVP again. So if we're talking to NFC, I have to, you know, my confidence is with the Green Bay Packers, and I'd be happy for for Aaron Rodgers if you if you won his second ring. Um, as far as the AFC goes, um, I mean, I can't even say it was an anomaly because they've done it before uh, with Jamar Chase and uh, and Joe Burrow. Like they, I said it from the beginning of the season. I knew that Jamal Chase was going to have a great year because he's already had that chemistry and that connection, you know, built up with Joe Burrow, who was his college quarterback. And they took no time at all getting right back to where they were in college football. 266 yards receiving in a game. I mean, what could you what can you even possibly say to that? Obviously, I wish you would have did that for me the week before. For fantasy football purposes, uh, but you know you got to tip your hat to the Cincinnati Bengals and them hanging in there this season, dealing with you know everything that's been going on with with COVID and little, little injuries and people being in and out of the lineup, and to go in and win a tough close game against a streaking Kansas City Chiefs team who were looking like they had put their foot back on the neck of the AFC. Um, if I have to pick. A team to come out of the AFC. I'm still leaning um, towards Kansas City Chiefs. You know, I, I think this was this was 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 a blip in the matrix. You know, so the streak got to stop at, at some point. Um, they'll still have home field advantage in the playoffs, except if they wind up playing Tennessee, but that won't be until the end. 
Um, just because I, I believe Tennessee has the Texans uh, this coming week, and they have the tiebreaker right. already against Kansas City. I, I don't see them losing to the te- Texans. I'm sorry. I, I don't think the Texans have a chance in hell in, in, in this game. Um, but I still would give the edge to win the AFC to Kansas City because I. this was a tough loss, but it wasn't – I didn't see in this game – like when the, what I saw with the Bucks playing the Jets, who, who are a bad team, we're talking about another playoff caliber team with with the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, you know what I mean? So it wasn't like that where I'm like, damn, they. Well, I don't know what happened, but I'm not confident anymore. I'm, I'm still very confident that the Kansas City Chiefs can can win the AFC. Yeah, I think you. We'll start there. You got to give Kansas City their respect. I mean. Two-time defending conference champs. They've been in that conference championship game at least three years in a row. So you give them their respect. Where I think it gets interesting in the AFC is, is like I've always said, the matchups. Because if Kansas City is number two and they've got to play that Charger team that they've had to really battle twice already this year, it could get interesting. Uh, the Chargers might be one of the few teams that won't be intimidated by going into Arrowhead because they go there once a year anyway. And they went there this year and won a game. Yeah. So that's where it gets interesting. I think Tennessee, without a doubt, wins next week. They know already the rumblings have already started. Uh, they're talking about activating Derrick Henry for week 18. They know they win week 18. They get that bye week, which gives them that extra week to get Derrick Henry ready for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's what they want. Their defense has played a lot better as well this season. So I think they're going to go out and win that game. But then from there on out, like I said, I give Kansas City the benefit of the doubt, but then I think it's it really is jumbled up between everybody else because if Buffalo wins that division, it's possible that Buffalo is in a first-round matchup with the Colts who dominated them this year mm-hmm. or New England who dominated them at one point this year. Uh, and then same thing with Cincinnati. They're probably the most inexperienced team out of the bunch, but they're very explosive. And they're a team that I don't know if anybody really wants to see right away to start the playoffs. So yeah. Kansas City gets the slight nod. But I think it could go any any which way in the AFC based purely off matchups. In the NFC, I think it's a little more clear cut. I think it's Green Bay, and then I think it's everybody else. And that's no disrespect to the Cowboys, but the Cowboys haven't looked good lately. We talked about Tampa and, and some of the issues they may have, especially since they won't have home field again. So they're going to have to go on the road for some of those tougher games. Ram defense is still the Ram defense, but Stafford hasn't looked good at all for like the last month, month and a half. So I think it's Green Bay is a clear cut favorite in the NFC. I think the AFC is really we got to take that on a week by week basis, man, and just see who's playing who. Now, question for you: If you're Kansas City, okay, I've, they're gonna they're gonna play the seventh seed. Who do you rather? Who would you rather see, the Chargers or the Raiders, both division uh, rivals, or? Wild card because Baltimore still has a chance. Who do you who who do you want to see out of those three teams? So based on what we know right now, Baltimore, because Lamar probably won't be a hundred percent for the playoffs, right? Um, the secondary is so banged up, you would have you would really have to get creative if you're Baltimore. Like, how are you matching up with those weapons from Kansas City? The O line is banged up. So just based off what we know now. That would be the matchup I would want the most. In terms of the two division rivals, without a doubt, it's the Raiders. I, I would, if I'm the Chiefs, knowing that 
we've split the season series with the Chargers the last two years and Chargers have confidence in beating us, I probably want to stay away from them. You look at what the what the Chiefs did to the Raiders this year in the two games, they dominated them. Yeah. And I don't think the Raiders, especially, you know, maybe with Wallerback, but without Henry Ruggs, they're not going to get the same explosive offense and, and the same plays that they were able to get on Kansas City last year. So that's a little safer matchup. But in, in out of those three, without a doubt, Baltimore, just because how banged up they are. So the, so the Chargers, you, you think, do have the best chance at upsetting Absolutely. Kansas City? Absolutely. With, with, their, with their offensive weapons, um, you know, and they're, they're getting healthy. They got a couple really good playmakers on defense, Bosa and Derwin James. They're a team that, in and in again, one-game situation, if they're already confident, they're gonna go in at that. They're gonna go in Arrowhead, knowing like we won here already this year. Yeah. So we just got to come in and execute. And oh, by the way, the game that they lost to Kansas City, they probably should have won that one too. They kept going for it on fourth down and not scoring inside their red zone. Yeah. So they they would go into that game with a lot of confidence. Yeah, I mean, listen, you have. I I, I like Justin Herbert a lot. Um, I think he's proven that he's gonna be one of those guys in this league for for a long time. Um and and he and he's got some weapons, and they've played very well against a tough division rival, but they've played them the best. So, yeah, I think I think I think the Chargers do have a good chance at upsetting the Chiefs. Even though, again, I'm still giving the edge to the Chiefs to come out of the of the AFC. Um, I wouldn't be surprised though. If we see a couple of upsets along the way, um, at this point, I think Buffalo winds up uh, holding on and and taking the, uh, the 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 division. I know you know New England had their chance, but I, I just you know just looking at obviously I think you know I think because I think they both will win uh their games next week. So I think everything is going to um to stay the same. So you know Buffalo winds up taking the division, but I think I think we're gonna we're gonna have a couple of upsets in the first round of the uh of the playoffs. Um I you know I just just looking I just think you know I feel I feel I feel I feel a couple of upsets coming in the first round where we're gonna be like oh wow I definitely did not see uh see this one coming. Um but I'll tell you I'll tell you right now who I think is is going to to get upset in the first round. I think it's going to be Buffalo. I think Buffalo gets upset in the in the in the first round. I think they go they go home and depending on who the Bengals play, I think they might wind up going home too. Cuz Yeah, the, the, yeah. If they it, it, it cuz cuz it would be them playing. Well, I guess right now it would be Cincinnati playing the Colts. If um, if the, if the playoffs did start today, I think the Colts can upset them. Yeah, I, I think the Colts can upset them too. Um, I think the Colts are going to go in with a lot of confidence. I I don't. Granted, yesterday's loss. You know, you want to win that game. They lose on a last second field goal, but. Coming off that Arizona game where the O-line was banged up and Carson Wentz missed the whole week with COVID protocol, I wasn't too surprised of how slow they started. Um, they only had like three points up until like the last two minutes of the first half. Yes. And then by the time they got it going, you know, again, they, they're down 10 points and they're fighting back. But I think the Colts present an present issue for the Bengals or Buffalo just because of the way they run the ball with Jonathan Taylor. You know, both those teams, I don't think, can really stop the run. 
Buffalo, to me, though, and I and I agree with you in terms of a potential first-round upset, just because, again, if you got to play New England, beating Bill twice in one season is very difficult. And in you the know playoffs. You, you and, right, and in the playoffs, like, Bill, don't think that what you saw the second time you played them is what you're going to see now the third time you play them. Bill's going to give you a completely different wrinkle. And the Colts are going to be the Colts. They're going to run the ball at you. And Buffalo hasn't shown me that they can stop the run. So I, I would still be skeptical of that. On the NFC side of things, playoff is pretty much set. There's one spot left to go. It's either going to be San Fran and New Orleans. Philly clinched their playoff spot yesterday. Arizona did it as well with an impressive win at uh, AT&T Stadium. I know we talked about Green Bay being a clear-cut favorite. Who's the one team, though, that you could see as a potential upset in the first round? We're talking Rams, possibly, because they're the number two seed. Tampa, who's the number three seed. Or Dallas as the number four seed. Who do you think has potentially the toughest matchup or just doesn't look strong enough to get out of the first round? I'm going to tell you right now, the the you know, I guess the, the upset that I'm seeing right now is going to be if the 49ers uh, hold on and, and manage to keep that six seed and they play Tampa in the first round, I, I think there's your upset right there. You know, I'm sorry, but I just, I just think there's the upset. I, you know, there's so much going wrong with Tampa Bay right now at the wrong is at the wrong time. You know what I mean? Like, like you already you lost Godwin and you lost Fournette, but it was like, all right, we still got Antonio Brown. Now we ain't got Antonio Brown no more. Uh, you know what I mean? The offense is not clicking like it was, you know. And I just like I don't I don't know if Tom Brady can be the savior again. And on top of that, you're playing one of the elite defenses, a team that's gotten hot the second half of the season. So I think there's there's your upset right there. I don't know if if because I, I guess right now Dallas would be playing uh, Arizona. If they are uh, in, in, in the first round, I don't know if that would be considered an upset if the Cardinals beat the Cowboys. But I think, I guess since, you know, they have the higher seating, you know, so to speak, I guess that would technically be an upset. But I think the real upset would be Tampa playing San Francisco. I don't I don't know if, if the Saints could repeat uh, the, their performance from two weeks ago in a playoff situation. But, you know, who knows? But I definitely feel a little bit more confident in San, in, in San Francisco upsetting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I like it, too. Um, just for the reasons I stated earlier, Tampa Bay is struggling to stop the running game, and that's what the Niners do best. Uh, same thing holds true for Philly. If, if Philly moves up to that sixth spot, because if New Orleans gets in, New Orleans would be the seventh seed, and Philly then would move up to six. Yeah. That could present issues as well. Philly's the number one running team in the league. Obviously, we know everything Jalen Hurts can do. The defense gets a really good pass rush. Tampa is in a very tricky spot. Dallas, like you said, seeding-wise, it would be an upset. But I just think Arizona is a terrible matchup for for Dallas. Uh, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray could have ran the ball on every play yesterday if he wanted to and yeah. gotten seven to ten yards. Like every time he broke the pocket, he was well downfield before someone got close enough to even touch him. So I think Arizona could duplicate that same type of success. Those are the two teams I look for because I think the Rams are going to get it right come playoff time, especially because of that defense. Um, yeah, they'll carry them. Yeah. At least, at least think, to the next round. Right. I think they'll at least get out of that first round. But Dallas and Tampa, to me, are just two teams that record-wise, it's a little deceiving because yes. 
we've we've had multiple conversations about both those teams over the last month and a half. They don't look as strong as their record would suggest. And I, I do agree. I think either one of them would be on upset alert come playoff time. Yeah. Let's um let's transition over to a little NBA. But before we do, we want to pay our respects to two legends of the NFL that lost their life this week or passed away this week, I should say. Uh, John Madden, one of my one of my sports idols, man, mm-hmm. and uh, Dan Reeves, former head coach of the Giants, the uh, Broncos, and the Falcons. Um, both legendary head coaches, Dan Reeves, uh, played in or coached in a total of nine Super Bowls. John Madden obviously won a Super Bowl with the Raiders. Became a Hall of Fame analyst as well. And of course, the architect for probably the greatest sports simulation game known to man, Madden Football. Uh, Trip, what are your thoughts on those two gentlemen? So, Dan Reeves, and again, rest in peace to both of these gentlemen. Condolences to family and friends. Uh, you know, Dan Reeves was the coach of the Falcons when my favorite uh, quarterback was playing in, you know, Michael Vick. Uh, he was there around that time. So, in, in connection with uh, with with John Madden, actually, me playing Madden, that's when I first really started to 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 get an idea of, of who uh, Dan Reeves was. Um, but yeah, he's he's someone that's been in this league for a long time. Um, done it all. has has had a lot of success in this league. He's a very likable uh, coach. You know, as far as John Madden goes, that's my childhood. That's my adulthood. That's my teenage years. That's that's gonna be my future years because I'm not gonna stop playing Madden anytime soon. I, Eric, you know I only play two to three uh, games on, on, on. Like people tell me this all the time. I don't know why you have a PlayStation. You only play two games. That's Madden and 2K. But the impact that those two games have had on not only you know just sports entertainment and video games, but just in general, those are two of the biggest games of all time. I remember uh, you know. Every year, Madden was going platinum. It's like, God, video games are going platinum? How is it? Video games are going platinum. But that's how legit, you know, these games are. That's how legit Madden was. And Madden has been around for a long time. They continue to improve the game. We talk about it every year. The only, the only thing we haven't done, and we will, I'm sure, get to it because people have asked us, is the Madden uh, tournament. And, and eventually, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get to doing it. You know, hopefully... You know, things with COVID can end and we can kind of get back to normal. Um, and then maybe, and you know, at that point we can actually put the Madden uh, tournament on. But, yeah, man, John Madden is a legend. Um, and he gave us one of, as, as a gamer, he gave us one of the greatest gifts you can get. And that is the Madden football video game. So rest in peace to that man, John Madden. Yes, sir. John Madden is a cultural icon, bro. Like, yeah. uh, I talked about it on, on the last episode of the Sanchez show that I put up, man. Before Madden, it was Tecmo Super Bowl. And yes. we were happy. We were happy with the four plays that you would get from Tecmo. Oh, that running play but, on the side with Emmett? I was killing Right. Him. Right. You know what I'm saying? Bo Jackson, unstoppable on Tecmo. Uh-huh. But when Madden introduced the actual playbooks and the passing windows, it opened our world up to something completely different. Like, wait a minute, this this what the game looked like? Yes. You know what I'm saying? And, and then his commentary on the game, his commentary in the actual games. Nowadays, obviously, if you're watching a, a big-time game and you hear Tony Romo or Jim Nance or Troy Aikman and Joe Buck, you know it's a big game because that's, that's yeah. the main commentators. But in those days, when John Madden and Pat Summerall was on the call, you knew this was a big-time game. Ain't nothing bigger than this one this week. So I, I knew the players in the NFL because of Madden. 
Right. That's what I'm saying. He, he opened up. He again, he opened us up to something that none of us, none of us were even thinking about. We were just happy with playing football. Yes. But again, he introduced the depth charts, the strategies, mm-hmm. the schemes, all that stuff, understanding the game in a different way. So and then again, his his work as a color analyst, yeah. you know, the Thanksgiving games, the turduckins. Uh, giving out turkey legs <laughs> for the best play on, on Thanksgiving. Yes. You know what I'm saying? John Madden, man, did it all, man. So our thoughts and prayers are with both families, obviously, man. And um, they'll they'll be greatly missed for their contributions to the NFL and, and sports world in general, man. Facts, facts, facts. Let's, let's get in some NBA news because Brooklyn's prodigal son is returning. Mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving's back, baby. I know I you're some, excited. There's some more stuff on Mulberry for a second. I thought he was. <laughs> Starberry. If Starberry came back, it, it might have a big impact. But, okay. Uh, Kyrie's back, but does it really matter because the Bulls are hot right now? DeMar DeRozan got the Bulls as the number one seed in the East. Brooklyn right now, they, they're still trying to figure out how they're going to use Kyrie because it still hasn't really been established. He obviously is not vaccinated. So is it purely... Every road game, is it certain road games? You know, is it minute restrictions? We still got to wait and see. But with that being said, Trip, does this change things for the Brooklyn Nets? Do you feel like this now makes them unstoppable in the East or they're still right where they've been this whole season? I mean, they're second place in the East right now. Um, they're only, I think it was either half a game or a game behind the Bulls. I'm sure they'll, they'll wind up getting back into uh, first place. They took a huge hit. Over the last uh, couple of weeks with uh, with, with COVID, um, you know, half the team, you know, being in, in, in the COVID protocols. So I do think they'll get back to to being a number one seed. So I don't really think Kyrie Irving makes a difference from that standpoint because I think, you know, they wind up finishing first anyway. However, my issue is it just it didn't it doesn't make sense to me. To bring him in now, you might as well have just let him play from the beginning of the season. If this is what we're gonna do, because at least you would have had from the beginning of the season to figure things out, how you wanted to use him, when he was gonna be able to play, and, and, and all of that stuff. That would have been done, and you would have already had that chemistry being built. You know what I mean? Now, I mean, we're 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 about a month away from the from the trade deadline, or a little bit, month and a half away from the trade deadline. So, you know, you, we're just going to throw him right in the mix right now and let's go figure it out. You know what I mean? Meanwhile, half the team still isn't back yet. So we're still going to have to continue to build that chemistry. And, again, what role is Kyrie Irving going to play for the team? That has to be figured out as, as well. We have Kevin Durant, who's having an MVP season. James Harden is finally starting to turn the corner from – the horrible start to his standards, not anybody else that would have been playing like James Harden. We'd have been praising them, but an MVP caliber, uh, you know, player, he started off the season horribly. So he's finally turning the corner. You got Kevin Durant playing like an MVP up until just uh, two days ago, they were in first place. So let's get Kyrie acclimated. Yeah. They got to get him back in. They got to figure it out. I, I don't understand why they didn't just go with this plan from the start of the season, as you mentioned. I still wonder if maybe they're trying to work out a trade and, and maybe they're just trying to get Kyrie on board with the trade. Um, but it is a little strange and it, it's going to be something that's going to have to be worked out because come playoff time, he can't just play road games. Yeah. Like you, you're going to need him to play games in Brooklyn. Like 
can't just be only the road games. Um, so something to keep an eye on there. Well, here's I the think thing, Brooklyn because let's just say who's you know one of the hottest teams in the league right now in the Western Conference is Golden State Warriors. Or if they would meet them in the finals, he's not playing at all. That's what that's that's what I'm saying. So now you bring so you bring him back, but there is a very good chance that he could not be able to play in the finals. In which case, what you know what I mean? Like, what was the what was the point of this whole thing? Because if you have to go up against Golden State, you're gonna be in trouble. Because now the chemistry that you have been building up, leading up to a, a, a possible. Finals matchup with the Golden State Warrior means nothing because now you got to get whole new rotations, figure out who's going to start, who's going to come off the bench, who's going to do what because Kyrie can't play. And on top of that, if it's a situation where you you might even, as as the, the, the Brooklyn Nets, you might even be better off dropping some games and moving down to fifth so that you don't have home court advantage at all because every series that you have home court advantage in, there's going to be more games that Kyrie Irving can't play than that he can play. So I don't, I don't, I don't understand the move at this point in the season. Um, hopefully it works out for them, but I just don't, I don't get it right now. If they were going to do this, they might as well have just let them play from the beginning of the season because that was a team decision to not have him play. Yeah, that, like I said, I, I don't understand what the what the real move is here and how this all gets worked out. Um, not only before the trade deadline, but then ultimately before the playoffs. Because as you said, you're going to have to have two different rotations. You're going to have to have a Kyrie rotation and a rotation when he's not there. And makes no sense. God forbid, God forbid you you're down in a series and the closeout game is on the road. You're not going to have Kyrie. So yeah. along with the fact that you know you have an older team where injuries play a factor. Injuries played a factor last year. So now if you're down Kyrie on the road and then, oh, by the way, maybe you don't have Blake Griffin or you don't have LaMarcus or you don't have Patty Mills. Now you're missing two of the key guys that you expect to contribute. So the Nets are going to have to work that out. Speaking of the Warriors, though, let's transition over to the Western Conference. The Warriors are hot. They're the number one seed. Uh, they're set to get Clay back in the next couple of days. Can anybody beat them? Now, I know your Lakers, they won two in a row. They got back to 500. They've had their struggles. Are we looking at potentially where Golden State is the clear-cut favorite out west? I know it's still very early though. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say they are the favorite right now, just because you know, well, one, it's on Anthony Davis is not playing right now. When he comes back, we don't know if we're gonna get the bubble Anthony Davis or we're gonna get the Anthony Davis that we've had for the last season and a half, where he's kind of struggled. His numbers have been down. Um, clearly it looks like LeBron is trying to make another MVP case for himself. So we know what we're going to get out of LeBron. Um, obviously, playoff time is different, but if I'm just basing it off of what's been going on the past couple of weeks throughout the season, I have to say Golden State is the favorite. Um, I don't know what we're going to get out of out of Clay, Clay Thompson just yet. I, I hope he does come back healthy and can get back to it. Um I don't necessarily think that the offensive end will be the problem. I think he's going to have the toughest time getting back on the defensive end just because we're talking about a guy that was a two-way uh, player. Offensively, Clay doesn't need the ball to, to be effective, to be dominant. He doesn't need the ball in his hands. All he needs is three seconds to shoot and get the shot off. I mean, what was it? Uh, was it 12 dribbles? He has 60 points on something like that. So he doesn't need it. So I'm not worried about the offensive end. However, 
missing a year and a half of basketball and trying to guard guys on the perimeter, driving to the basket. That's why I'm a little bit concerned. I got to see him come back and do it first. But I hope he can. I do want to see Klay Thompson healthy. Um, and I want to see that matchup between LeBron and, and Steph and, you know, the Lakers and the Warriors going into the playoffs because that was a rivalry. Those two going back and forth that, you know, was, was you know, was big for, for, for basketball. So I want to see those guys go at it in, in the playoffs. But, yeah, right now, Golden State is the favorite. Yeah, it's going to take some time to adjust. Fortunately, Golden State, you know, they, they've gotten off to a hot start this season. And then they, they've got some perimeter bodies they could throw at guys so that Clay isn't playing 35 minutes a night as the primary defender on whoever the best player is. Yeah. You know, that was his role in the past. I don't know if he ever takes that same role again, because as you mentioned, he's missed two years. He's obviously older and the body has wear and tear. I mean, you go to five straight finals, yeah. the body ain't going to be the same. You know what I'm saying? Nice. But if he is anything close to what he once was as an offensive player, that's what could make them really special. Yeah. That's what could turn them into a formidable force coming out of the West where it's like, all right, we know what Steph can do. And now you got him, his, his, his running mate. Now, as you mentioned, a, a guy who, when Steph doesn't have it is more than capable to go for 30, 40, even 50 points. Yeah. That's what makes him special. It's going to be interesting to see when he gets back. I uh, want to give a shout out to a couple on the, on the all time threes list. If he wasn't out for this past two seasons, he'd be pretty high up on that list as well. Absolutely. He'll be a guy working his way up that that uh, list as well over the next year and a half, two years. Um, shout out to the young boy, Josh Giddy out of OKC. Yes. You know, they ain't have much. To, they ain't have much to, to cheer on this year, but he's definitely been a pleasant surprise out there. <sighs> Youngest player to record a triple double in a game. So kudos to him. Um, another young boy struggling a little bit. And I think we both like I know I like him as a player. I think you do as well. Trip uh, Kevin Porter Jr. Had a little issue out in Houston. Similar to Antonio Brown's situation, not quite. He didn't just walk off the court. Yeah, yeah. But you know, the, the rumor is that him and he and assistant coach John Lucas got into it in the locker room during halftime, and he didn't come out in the second half. The Rockets obviously are going to have to make a tough decision about this young man. He kind of came into the league with a little bit of baggage out of USC, and that's why he didn't really stick around with Cleveland. He's on his second stop. He's super talented. I like the kid a lot, man. I hope they can work it out, but what do you think happens here with Kevin Porter Jr.? Because the Rockets are in a complete rebuild. Yeah, so, and, and again, we actually did speak about him in a situation uh, with, with, with his father, you know, that kind of led to his draft stock uh, dropping. Um, so when I saw this, I, I, I first thing I thought about was that uh, conversation that we had maybe two years ago on the show. Um I feel bad because, again, I don't like seeing our young brothers and sisters get in these situations and drop the ball. I know this is a young kid. I don't think it works out in, in Houston. I, I I hope they can fix it, but I think they're, ultimately they're going to wind up trading him. And the problem with, with him getting traded again is now we're talking about a third team in this young career and I don't want that to start becoming the stigma to where ultimately he kind of just fizzles out of the league because unlike Antonio Brown, he hasn't accomplished enough for, for teams to be like, oh, no, he's worth the headache. I'll, I'll take a chance on that kid, right? That kid, I'll take a chance. Antonio Brown was you know, fortunate enough that he was arguably the best wide receiver in football when he was in Pittsburgh, so he's going to be afforded those opportunities. Kevin Porter Jr., 
you know, weren't he wasn't rookie of the year, hasn't made an all star team yet. You know what I'm saying? He hasn't really accomplished much of anything in the league. Super talented, has a lot of potential, but you have to have uh, you know, dashes on that resume showing things that you've accomplished during your tenure in the league, or when it comes, you know, to things like this, you know, we saw we saw OJ Mayo had a lot of talent. Had a lot of potential. He ain't in the league no more, though. Tyreek Evans, talent, potential. Not in the league anymore. You know, Isaiah Thomas, he can barely, you know what I'm saying, get back and stay on the roster. This is somebody who was an MVP candidate, you know, maybe four years ago now. He was an MVP candidate when he played in Boston. So it's tough. So I really hope that, you know, he can work it out and stay in Houston because you have to... Really do have to build that resume if you're gonna have a tenure in this league, and it didn't work out in Cleveland. Now they're gonna start looking. Well, it's got to be him. Well, I don't know, man. He can he he couldn't do it in Cleveland or Houston, and they both both teams are in rebuild modes. And then when you look at Cleveland and how they're looking right now with so much young talent, and they're looking really good out there. It's like, all right, well, they were there. He was there. He wasn't doing too well. Now he's gone. Now they're looking pretty good. They're looking like they're going to be one of those up-and-coming teams in the future. Houston is in rebuild mode. You pretty much got carte blanche to do whatever you want out there. You know what I mean? You're going to get those minutes. You get, you know, so you're getting shots. You're getting the, you're getting the shots. But it's, just, it's tough, man, when you get into it with, with a coach because somebody has to go. And we're not talking about, you know, Jalen Green. You know what I'm saying? Who's who's your first round draft pick? You just you guys picked yourselves. Or or, or even Christian Wood, who is a a really good young big man. I don't you know what I mean? Like I think he'd be fine in this situation. But with Kevin Porter Jr., I just feel like he's expendable. And again, you don't want that stigma to start being built around you that you're you you're a cancer in the locker room. That's the thing, man. Um, it's it's about the reputation because, you know, the assistant coach he got into it with is John Lucas, who is well-respected throughout the league. And if John Lucas can't coach you tough, if he can't coach you without you being emotional, and I wasn't there, we weren't there to know exactly what was said. Yeah. But if, if, if what we heard is true, that Lucas critiqued his game and was hard on him and some other young players, and he just responded badly, then, like you said, that's where you start to get that that stigma about you where people say, well, you know, he's uncoachable, man. You know, he's a lot of talent, but it's not really worth the headache because you can't really coach him up. And that that's the scary part, because like you said they got Jalen Green. Jalen Green is the future there. Kevin Porter Jr. is a, a fantastic young player, but he's going to have to figure this situation out with Houston. Either he's going to have to realize, look, I'm a young player on a really bad team and it's going to be a lot of nights where we getting yelled at for effort and hustle because that's all we have. We don't have the stars here that's going to carry us. And I'm not a star myself to carry us yet. So either either I'm going to buy into this and understand that this is the life of a young NBA player on a bad team, or I'm going to develop the reputation of a guy who's going to bounce around from team to team and hope that I land in a good situation. But for the most part, like you mentioned, the guys who bounce around from team to team, they end up with the Sacramentos of the world. You know what I'm saying? They end up with the Memphises of the world. They end up in, in those situations, the Orlandos of the world, where teams, the only teams that are willing to keep taking a chance on you are teams that have nothing going for themselves because 
they see your talent and they're hoping they can crack that, yeah. you know, but the upper echelon teams aren't going to take a gamble on you because it's too risky. They, they're playing for something far more special. They're not going to take a gamble on a guy who can handle coaching at a lower level, let alone when we're playing for a championship. Exactly. You're absolutely right, bro. So, you know, we, hopefully that works out. Cause I think that the kid has, has a lot of potential. Um, Trip, before we give our predictions for the college football championship, you want to shout out the sponsors, man? Oh, absolutely. Got to do that. Uh, big shout out to Kmart. Big shout out to Petro Home Services, uh, the Rosado Firm, the good folks over at uh, Soundview Liquor, my main man, B, Brian. Uh, big shout out to them. And uh, really quick, make sure you guys are locked in on all our social media Instagram and uh, Twitter's at Real Fan Talk, Facebook.com forward slash Real Fans Real Talk. Subscribe to that YouTube channel as well, youtube.com forward slash for the fans productions. And uh, don't worry if you're not in the New York City area and you can't watch um, at eight to, from 8 to 9 p.m. on Verizon 43, you can still watch from anywhere in the world. Just go to realfansrealtalk.com, click on that red button on the homepage, and you can watch from anywhere you are in the world. Um, and also make sure you guys are subscribed to the podcast as well. Cause you know, we do podcasts. We're on every major streaming platform between the Sanchez show podcast, the real fans, real talk podcast. And of course, for our grown and sexy crowd, the shooting the shit podcast that we do with our brother, Sean Fontaine, make sure you guys are locked in, man, because we got a lot more content for you guys coming into this, uh, this 2022 year. We got a lot of big things coming for you guys. Some dope interviews that we're going to have later this year as well. And um, a couple other big surprises, but I can't give them to you all right now. But some things is going to go down this year, so you might want to stay locked in. No, you definitely want to stay locked in with us um, because it's, it's, it's going to be some fun. We're going to have some fun in 2022. Yes, sir. Now, I don't even have to ask. I know what your prediction is. Everybody. Alabama. Everybody, everybody, get your roll on. What? That's it. Alabama is in there. Uh, I don't even know how many times they've been in national championship. Oh, what's this? Their fourth in a in a playoff era. Yes, they, they made the this playoffs fourth, every year. Since yeah, been, been in the playoffs every year. They this is their fourth title game in the playoff era. Mm -hmm. Familiar foe. They played Georgia, who they had a very tough game against early the season. Um, they were down ten nothing in that game, and then they kind of. Went crazy after that. They outscored Georgia 41-14 the rest of the way. Mm -hmm. They also played Georgia a few years ago in a national championship game, historic game with Tua throwing the touchdown pass to Devontae Smith. Yep. Georgia right now is a three-point favorite for next Monday. Are you predicting a close game or are you predicting a blowout? I mean, I'm just going to say it's a blowout because, I mean, that's just me being an Alabama fan. I'm just saying it's a blowout. But I don't understand how they have Georgia as the, as the favorite in this game Especially after just coming off of uh, losing to uh, to Alabama, and I mean Bryce Young, you know, really lit them up. Uh, so I don't even understand how they could be the favorite. But you know what? We'll take the underdog status, and, and we're gonna come in and we're gonna roll over Georgia once again, and we're gonna add another championship to the to 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 the to the resume because our resume is extensive. That Alabama resume is very extensive. We're gonna do what we do, man. That's it. Yeah, I was a little surprised to see the line at three for Georgia. Um, Maybe it'll change between I, now and then, but, I, you know, who knows? It, it may change. Um, I expect Alabama to win this game as well. I think it's just too tough to bet against Nick Saban, and they're highly motivated. We heard the comments 
going into the playoff game uh, against Cincinnati where they said, you know, people doubted us, people counted us out. So we just going to take the underdog role. And now they're the underdogs in the national championship game. Mm-hmm. I also think, too, when I really thought about it, you know, Alabama's played a lot of close games in the playoffs and in the national championship games. But it's taken a truly great quarterbacks to be able to beat Alabama in a playoff game. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking specifically guys like Deshaun Watson, yeah. you know, who were able to overcome Alabama. I don't know if Stetson Bennett is that caliber of quarterback. And I'm sure Nick Saban, who comes from the Bill Belichick coaching tree, he, when the playoffs lined up, he already knew that this is our potential matchup in the championship game. Absolutely. So not only did Nick Saban get this whole week to prepare, he probably had already been preparing, preparing the three weeks prior when the playoff matchup was first set. They're going to throw some defenses at the young man that he's never seen before. I think Alabama wins in a close game. I'm going to say Alabama wins by six. Listen, as long as at the end of the game, Eric, you can come back uh, the following week and get on the show, and I can, everybody get your roll on. Everybody, everybody <laughs> get your roll on. I'll take it. Well, listen, as my man uh, Vin Diesel said in the, in the first Fast and the Furious, you know, it don't matter if you win by inch or a mile, baby. As long as you get that win, I'm going to be okay with that. I will take another championship for Alabama and another roll tide is coming, baby. I'm seeing that. I'm, I'm calling it right now. The stamp is on it. Alabama will be national champions once again. Yeah, I got like I said, I got Bama as well. Maybe next week we'll wait to record on Tuesday. We'll wait to after yeah, that yeah, game on Monday. Yeah, we have to. We have and to that way, to. yeah, we, we'll go right after. Okay. Uh, but for my main man, Trip Young, I am legend in two games. Until next week, man, we out of here. Rest in peace, Louise Young. Love you. Peace. This is your African King of Come, Michael Blackson. You watching Real Friends Real Talk. Get real with it, my son. Uh-huh. This is Real Fans, Real Talk. Talk. Real Fans, Real Talk. We as real as you thought. Real-